Yo, it is so Monday right now. This, uh-huh. It's been a while since we've been in the studio, and it feels like a long time, but not any time at all. So we got a lot to catch up on. So let's just get the Monday morning bounce going, and then we'll get into the day. Everywhere I go, the people really want to know mm. who I is and who I be. They you know, stop and stay with it me. feels really weird me running no the roadcaster this morning. Because I know I ran it all last week. <laughs> <laughs> so Kyle, Kyle's the one that ran the audio. Usually during the show, I run, I run the sound, you know, the sound triggers and everything from my board, but on. On uh, our little trip, Kyle brought his because he drove and I flew, and it's easier to drive with a roadcaster than fly with a roadcaster. Without a doubt. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's rule number one, right? You never touch another man's roadcaster. Right? So, exactly Kyle right. Ran, so Kyle ran the <laughs> Especially audio. when the buttons are all in a different place. <laughs> My, you're like, let's start this go. My labels. Yeah, I had the scratch go. If you're watching, so they, they come with these little labels, the trigger pads, so you can label what buttons do what, and mine are actually all wrong. Like the trigger pads I go with. Are, like these are like my like decoy buttons. Ago. These are my decoy <laughs> buttons. If someone else tries to run the show for my roadcaster, they're going to get it wrong. They're going to get it wrong. Uh, so we have a lot of good stuff to catch up on today. Um, you know, obviously last week we spent uh, most of the week with dealers and industry partners, but frankly, mostly dealers. And that was, you know, we talked about that a lot last week. There's a lot more to come from that. Um, you know, had a great interview with Mike Stanton and Liza Borches, um, had a lot of other stuff that we did. There's also a lot of news that happened, but because of the nature of us taking some time and traveling a little bit, like we didn't get to all the news. So we have a little bit of catch up before we get into this morning, but, uh, Let's talk about a SodoCon because it's one of our favorite things to talk about. Let's talk about a SodoCon. Well, first of all, I'm getting, and it's always tough traveling because, you know, you're being present with the people that you're with, but you're getting emails on email. I mean, my backlog of emails and then the text message threads. And there's just a lot of energy around it from the industry partners because that's who, for us right now, who we've been able to communicate with the most about it. But we're really excited to to kind of pour all of the things out that we've told all these industry partners to all the dealer participants and the rest of the industry to just show what we've been working on over the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And we can't wait because next Tuesday, we're going to launch the full website. We're going to launch ticket sales to uh, a very select few people, right? There's just going to be a lot of information and cool things that we're going to be able to announce alongside of just getting that going. And so, so next uh, Tuesday is the date. I, I didn't even know that was the official date. Okay. So next Tuesday is going to be July, right? <laughs> July 5th coming off the holiday. We got to go sometime. We do. <laughs> People are like, where's the tickets? Where's the room? So that's Let's it. Mark it on your calendar. July 5th tickets are going to go on sale. If you haven't pre-registered at a so con, Com. We highly, highly, highly encourage you to do so because the people on the pre-register list are going to get first shot at the tickets. Um, all of our events typically sell out. This one, I, I'm good. I already feel bad about the number of people who aren't going to get to go. Um, so if you get on the, the pre-register list at asoducon.com, you will be the first to have the opportunity to buy a ticket. Please, we want our crew, our, our homies, our, our people that have been with us since the beginning to be there with us as well. All right. I uh, also want to send congratulations. First of all, our team crushed it while we were gone. I just want to give they, a shout out so to great. the Asodu crew, like literally the Asodu crew who had some fun writing the email and running the show and uh, ran some competitions while we were gone, right? A little giveaways based on uh, if you could refer the email. And so uh, congrats. We have a, a winner to announce actually, and we're not going to do it right now, but uh, Friday was to win a ticket to a SodoCon, which in my opinion was the best one we've given out. We're going to hold one more ticket 
and we'll do that like closer to the event when it is sold out. Um, but we'll announce that winner soon. So thank you for referring per people to the email. Please keep doing it, um, even if there's no giveaway, because we need our tribe to grow. Our tribe is growing. Our people are finding one another, and um, we need the other people that think like us. We need to find the others. And how we're going to do that is by all of us helping to share the word about what we're doing over here. Well, Speak. and here's the thing. The oh, I was, go, I was about uh, to go You were going with, real quick, real quick. The, thinking about that is we don't just want, and, and uh, you know, this was really apparent to me last week as we were with a whole di different uh, amount of thoughts, is we don't just want our tribe, our community. We want to invite more people to that tribe, to that community. Maybe that isn't the same exact thought process or, or the same intentionality around innovation, or, or, or maybe it's not exactly the way that you think and perceive the world, but that, but if more people can kind of understand what we're what we're chanting about, what we're saying, what what this community is driving towards, um, maybe fresh perspective actually supports the narrative better. Maybe there's you know someone that needs to be encouraged to to kind of come to the, a new realization, whatever that may be. Just bring more people into community because community is going to be the best way uh, to see automotive uh, not just survive but thrive. I love that. Good morning, Brooke. Good morning, Larry. Thanks for saying hi on the live stream. We always love the live stream, folks, because we know you're here with us right now. So um, in order to do that, and give do you right, we got to get to the news a little bit. I, I lost a segue. I had a segue going, but we're not. We have a couple he stories from last I week. Crushed him. No, it's all good. You, you said important words. You said important words. <laughs> um, okay, a couple stories from last week that, we, that came up late in the week. We didn't have time to cover, especially because we ran some special programming. Um, but Carlotts, you, that name may sound familiar to you, Carlotts, spelled with a Z at the end, is a company that kind of, I guess you could talk about them as like a disruptor, at least a new player to the used car market, uh, had a really dialed in branding, really went with a unique model of, yes, selling, being a used car retailer, but doing a lot of their inventory acquisition actually through consignment. So it wasn't really acquisition. It was like, how do we get cars to sell? We're going to sell them on consignment. And um, they went public. Their share price was $11. I think in 49 cents was the high. It is now down to 46 cents after um, a long stretch. Obviously, they went through a long stretch of moving things around. That's a little bit of a drop. But, you know, there's this element of consigning vehicles being really difficult when um, you can get four prices for your used car vehicle and, or used car and a check within like a day. So like, why do you need to wait to get top dollar for the car? So obviously a major right. blow to that model, um, but they closed half of their brick and mortar locations, 11 stores in total, and uh, reduced their workforce by about 30%. And um, wow. yeah, so I mean, that's just like a little. Do you uh, have Do you have any up near you, no, car lots? No. Yeah, we have one. We have one actually right down the street from where I'm at. And it's closed. Uh, what's that? Is it closed? Uh, no, I think it's well. I drove past it last week. <laughs> You're and like, it was still open, maybe? so I don't know. They may have shuttered the doors at this point, but they, uh, you know, what I what I did notice is they they took over an an older building mm -hmm. um, that that used to be uh, a collision center actually, mm -hmm. and they did a really good job at like l delivering what looked like a great retail experience yeah. just from the way they organized the lot, the way they uh, the way they did the the interior because you can kind of see it from the street. Um, and so, you know, I, I just think that there's an element to, are people ready for a way of doing business? Right. Um, and that's, you know, you, you see consignment in, in clothes a lot, but not so much in cars. And, and some dealers have done consignment in the past and there's a way to do it. 
Uh, but like you said, with everybody beating down your door to buy your car now for cash, uh, major yeah, blow to rough, inventory, rough, rough place to be. I will say that car lots is run by a lot of really smart people. Um, I had a couple of phone calls with Michael Bohr, the CEO, actually before they went public. Um, and I would not count them out. Uh, very smart, uh, <laughs> way smarter than I am way more educated. Um, and, um, this strategic retooling is, I think, exactly that. It's strategic. So we'll see. Yep. Just a little motion. Well, they have a retail mindset. So uh, that's I, exactly I think, it. That's exactly yep. it. When you have a retail mindset in this day and age, you're going to find a way as long as you don't run out of money. So um, <laughs> speaking of running out of money. Stop. Woo! Got him. Ah, I just went stop. So you just um, said stop. I, I had... <laughs> Just stop. So uh, the great, this great quote came from Elon Musk about the new Texa, uh, the gigafactories, uh, one in Austin, one in Berlin. Uh, basically, Elon Musk, Musk called them gigantic money furnaces. He said they should, there should be a sound, like a huge roaring, whirring sound that should be played in the factories because they're just burning money faster than you can imagine. And that, that quote just... I I, I don't know if that's like high level of self-awareness or just I think that's no really filter. Sure. I think I no think filter. that's just no filter, right? And and he kind of he he said some of these comments in a, a text a Tesla kind of enthusiast owners group, right? So it wasn't like a press conference or anything, but like I mean what <laughs> you imagine CEO of a publicly traded company be like, yeah, these new factories we built, yeah, they're just gigantic cash furnaces. We just shovel <laughs> cash into them and they just burn it, right? But I mean obviously one of the real real is that the supply chain logistics, you know, he said, uh, to quote again, they're producing a puny amount of cars. And that's just another word that would really just come from Elon Musk, you know, when it comes to um, <laughs> just quantifying it, puny. <laughs> How many are they making? Puny amount. And just, so I just thought it was funny. So I threw it in the show notes because it's just <laughs> par for the course. But there you go. That's how they're dealing with supply chain issues. All right, let's get into some today's news. Um, let's do it. Okay, so high news. Uh, I think this was automotive news this morning. High gas prices are not swaying owners uh, toward buying smaller cars. If you were around, you remember in 2008 when the gas prices got over $4 a gallon, everyone was talking sedans. You couldn't get a truck off the lot, literally. No. It was wild. Ben Stock was slinging Civics like you couldn't imagine. I didn't even know him back then. But I bet he sold quite a few (laughs) Civics back then. Um, But that's not happening this time. In a survey, only 17% of SUV owners say that they're they're even considering or would even consider a smaller vehicle. Um, A lot in the article cites, you know, the fact that fuel economy is actually, in a lot of models, gotten up to 50% better. Uh, Like one example they cited was the F-150, four-wheel drive, right? 21 miles to the gallon. It wasn't that case. It used to be like 13, 14. Um, And so um, that's just... And I think this is just, you know, there's a lot of talk about recession and there's a lot of talk about inflation. And, you know, the the thread that I keep remembering and hearing is is I hear uh, Jonathan Smoke and I hear him saying that the amount of disposable income still left in bank accounts is is still at an all-time high. Right. So like when you think about the difference between a $40 fill up and a $90 fill up. Oh, yeah. Right. That, that's that seems like a lot. But I but there's still obviously enough, you know, enough kind of left in the tank from a disposable income perspective for people to hang on to or seek purchasing of higher mile per or lower mile per gallon vehicles yeah no without a doubt Just thinking. Um, behaviors changed right available cash where you're prioritizing that cash we've covered a number of stories saying people are prioritizing travel 
right? They're prioritizing travel, which makes sense when you were locked down for a good period of time to say like, hey, I'm not going to spend it on this. I'm going to spend it on this. And obviously, like, if you can help it, right, you don't want to travel in a Honda Civic. You want to travel, right, in an Explorer or Well, and we we talked about last week about how uh, it looks like that that vehicular travel for summer vacations is going to be at an all-time high. So you think about, like, the cost of a plane ticket compared to the cost of gas and people being willing to take the time to drive, mm-hmm. you know, there's still an, an imbalance there. It's still a cheaper option overall. Yeah. Right? No, without a doubt. Oh gosh, we could have put, we could have talked about plane travel today, but Ooh, we, we could have, <laughs> but, but we didn't. Hey, actually I'm going to drop into the show real quick. This is a real time correction, right? Some, some news organizations bury corrections on page 87, right? Of the knitting section, not us. Kevin Jones, a good friend of a Sodu, says, ah, Carlotts was actually a spec. They weren't publicly traded. So thanks for posting that in the comments. Real-time correction. Redact that <laughs> from the article. Carlotts is a spec, not publicly traded. So we'll talk about that. But, Go ahead. Well, no, they were say? publicly traded. They were just on a spec. So right, but they that, were on a spec in the, the share price. Exactly. Yes, exactly. I need double, double redaction. It's Monday. <laughs> it's Monday. It's okay. It's okay. We're getting in it. We're getting in it. We are. Lots to go. We are. So let's talk, uh, let's keep moving, right? Let's get through a couple more stories here. Remember vehicle subscription options were like the big talk? I mean, I remember vehicle subscriptions as being like the thing that we're going to kill retail auto dealers just like four or five years ago. Remember that? Yep. Remember all that Oh, talk? yeah. People are going to get, well, they don't, they don't want to deal with all the hassle. They're just going to get a subscription. It's going to cover their insurance and their, all their stuff. It's going to be one payment. Everyone's going to love it. And everyone's like freaking out about it. And then Fair crashed. And then Fair right. crashed and Cadillac canceled their program, right? And all of a sudden, they weren't the biggest thing. Well, right. they seem to be maybe making a little bit of resurgence in some niches. Uh, a new company called Autonomy, and it is autonomy.com. I checked. I think they probably paid a couple of bucks for that domain. A couple bucks. I was impressed. Yeah. But um, it's a subscription service that helps, uh, is really intended to help users get over the, the uncertainty of getting in an EV, which is pretty cool, right? There's Absolutely so many questions genius. around an yes. EV. Can you get in? Will it suit my lifestyle? Will it run out of battery when I need it to? So they're seeing that consumer need, and they've crafted a subscription service that allows you to subscribe to a Tesla Model 3. That's the only vehicle they, they have subscriptions on for as little as three months. That's, yep. that's pretty awesome. Look, I have to – I've been saying this since I was first selling the Leaf back in 2011. Right. And what I've been trying to what I've been saying is that the EV model and specifically a high level tech vehicle is so ripe for some level of subscription model, especially when you go from engine technology to battery technology, because you're getting closer and closer to phone level technology. And so if you think about it, most phones have moved basically subscription level. Very rarely do people pay the cash up front for a phone. Mm -hmm. They actually lease them over time and then upgrade on time. And so you think like the level of upgrades that you can do. I mean, just recently there, there's now a company that has created a battery that can go a thousand kilometers, which is like 671 miles or something. Right. Who wants who wants a car two years later when you're getting 100 miles and someone's out here getting 671 miles and maybe more and more and more? <laughs> I Nobody wants that. that car anymore, right? And so battery repurposing, like technology repurposing, recyclables, all of that, all of the things that come along with phone subscription services 
really, in my opinion, slide over. And I think in the next five years, we're going to see this trend toward how manufacturers can not just have subscription services for their onboard technology, but for the total vehicle. Um, mm. And I think if OEMs were smart, they would increase loyalty. This is what phone providers have done is they've, if they've, they've proven how to increase loyalty. So churn rate in most um, phone providers is actually very, very low comparative to when you say pro uh, providers you mean manufacturers yep. or you sorry mean manufacturers like okay. yep Man and even providers actually yep. um going from like uh you know a t-mobile to an at&t or things like that because they they get you in these subscription models and so loyalty actually becomes much more premier plus they have a really great communication pattern via text so mm. it's it's a, it's a whole like it's a whole you know capture of market and and loyalty that I think that auto manufacturers and, and auto dealerships have an opportunity to tap into. Yeah, we'll see uh, how autonomy does. So basically the way they're structured right now, you can get as much as a 36 month lease on a Tesla Model 3. I don't know how they're acquiring the vehicles. There are a lot of questions, right? Like say I lease it for three months and then I don't want to keep it. What happens to that car, right? They say most of their cars are brand new, most, um, and or have under 500 miles in them. So basically they have a couple flexible payment plans so you can pay $4,900 down and get one for $490 a month, or you could pay $1,000 down and get one for $1,000 a month. Everything's all wrapped in and included. Oh. So, I mean, they're definitely solving for a pain point. Uh, we'll see if, if they make it. We'll see if, you know, just like when one startup dies, three usually sprout up and try to try to do it a little better or a little differently. And um, we'll, we'll see where this pans out. I mean, obviously a, a complex thing when you're using a car, like a car versus a phone, but like with mentality shifting, technology shifting, um, we'll see... What happens with that just uh, is an interesting little development reminding me like, oh, yeah, subscriptions. Uh, this this definitely <laughs> this although was it, a thing everyone was talking about. Although it's, <laughs> right, they, they sure were. Um, but although they, they're kind of this, this is a different thing, right? This is a different pain point. It's solving um, not just people don't want they just want ease and simplicity of billing like this is different. Right. Like you just pointed out the technology and all that stuff. So speaking of doing things a little differently than we have in the past. Segway time. All right, we need to get the a little whole different. <laughs> okay, look. So here's here's what came out, but then I'm going to tell two stories here. Okay, so uh, several retailers, uh, some of them including Target, Walmart, Gap, American Eagles, a few other big box retailers, in their earnings calls, uh, had notes about how stock issues, and we we kind of ran the story a few weeks ago about uh, like new stock. Uh, issues are starting to pile up, especially from, you know, uh, people not purchasing some of those things that were on the shelves. And so they're having to do heavy discounts. Now what they're running into is stocking on returns. So because there's a high volume of purchasing and now a high volume of returns, actually stocking those returns and getting them to the places that they need to go is becoming a very big issue. And I cannot wait. I just saw this last night and then this morning. Um, I can't wait to call my buddy Matt because he uh, is with a company that runs, uh, they actually manage the returns for companies like Best Buy and Bye Bye Baby and Home Depot and uh, a bunch of others along that like big box retailers to see like what's the actual trigger here because what his company solves for is the pain points on logistics from I have to get this product either back on the shelf and understand what the discount model is or through to warehousing, traveling, yeah. liquidating it, all of all of the stuff. And the crazy thing is, is return handling costs can be 15 to 30 percent 
of the total overall cost of the original item. So what these retailers are now considering, and it seems like it's going to come down the pipe, that for a large amount of retail goods, they are actually going to not accept the physical product in return, but only return your money. So it's a returnless return. I've actually had that happen. I mean, that's been happening for years for me anyway with Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Right, exactly. you'll buy something yep. and it'll be a relatively low dollar amount and something's wrong with it or whatever. And you go to send it back and you know they process it, what was wrong with it. And then they're like, great, you can just keep the item or donate it. And so, um, yeah, that's been, yeah. I guess with Amazon. Well, and uh, like I, I, my wife actually, we did Instacart this weekend, right? And something that they said was there or said was said was right, they actually purchased the wrong thing for us. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, within six seconds, we had that thing refunded into our bank account. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, it was so much easier than us having to get on customer support message, take a picture, do anything like yeah, that. Yeah, all that they has like, a cost to it. All they were like, business all, expense. Uh, like ease, Boom, go, right? So And so it, it opens up these retailers for fraud, without a doubt. Um, and, I, and I think that that's, you know, that's probably the, the, they're trying to figure out that solution. You know, you can, uh, I know, you know, you go into Home Depot or, or Lowe's, they actually take your, um, you know, if you don't have a receipt and you don't have the item, they actually take you know, your, your photo ID. So there's probably some level of that type uh, of thing. I think, that's I think it's more along the lines of this. I order something, I return it, realize it's an item that's not going to require me to return. I have a Reddit board, not me personally, right? There's a Reddit board somewhere, right. and all, all of a sudden, right. the alert goes out to everybody, and then everybody Target's going to be like, hey, look, everybody's buying this little squishy thing for $4.99, and then they're all, all returning it. So, like, I'm so happy I'm not in that game, Kyle. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible thing to have to manage. But the bottom line and the point of a lot of our stories today are that, look, when creative thing well things change consumer mindset change business logistics change costs change creative solutions require that you have to do things differently than you've done yes. them ever in the past or something that might even seem taboo what do you mean giving a refund and not getting the item back but guess what business doesn't actually care your PL doesn't actually care about the way you used to do things it only cares about the way you're doing things now we hope the things that you're doing now and today are creative innovative troublemaking but more than all of that serve a need fill a need and then i bet you'll win